Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Shad. I'm doing well as well. I'm glad to hear it. We want to say thank you, everybody out there, for joining us for this episode. We are happy you're with us, and we're going to get our shout-outs handled right here at the beginning. The first one's going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast, to save 10% off your order. Pretty sure that code still works. And our other shout-out goes to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Colon, uh, the, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, Orlando Colon. I, I feel like uh, it's... Today is July 12th that we're recording this. I, I wanted to make like a sort of Amazon Prime joke. <laughs> Orlando Cologne, uh, master of Amazon Prime. <laughs> Prime in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, what do you um, think he bought on it Prime Day? A 55-gallon drum of lube because he needs all of it. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I, I could have also made uh, Orlando Cologne undisputed tag champ wherever he would go. Oh, now that one sounds closer to a segue. It's closer to a segue. I, I, I don't know if I got the exact terminology that was used on the uncrowned, uncrowned champion. Uncrowned, there it is, there it is. Yeah, You're messing right. me up because I was watching World Class today, and because Jay Saldy's <laughs> an idiot, he was calling, um, he was trying to say Kerry Von Erich was the uncrowned NWA world champion, and he kept calling him the unnamed <laughs> NWA world champion. <laughs> The unnamed NWA which is, it, which is hilarious, because if you ever want to hear a color commentator that no one bothered to smarten up, that's like Jay Saldy and world class. How much does this guy weigh? Uh, not the same thing, I know, but... Well, no, it, well, no but it's funny, because he's literally a guy sitting there, and he he's, he's saying stuff, and I'm like... I bet this idiot's like reading stuff he read in the after mags before he sat down at the the desk. <laughs> and he's calling it show prep. Yeah. Um. So uh, tonight we decided to embark on a little bit of a different journey, heading back to some old stuff again. Brad, where did we go? So uh, this this is going to be a two parter here. Um. So the. Next week's episode is going to be the Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling Final Conflict event, which features um, quite the famous match, which is Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronodal versus Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood inside of a cage. But this week, um, we are going to be doing the build to the event because there's a helpful little video if you want to watch along. Just type in Road to Final Conflict in YouTube, and you're going to get about... 
an hour and a half video of matches promos and just the angle leading up to this all chopped yeah, together. It's easily available on um, on YouTube, and when I I will on on our Twitter page, uh, when I go to post the link to this show, I can actually like probably like in a in a follow up tweet, I can provide the link for the YouTube. It's very very easily accessible. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 in good shape. It's Ooh. actually pretty good quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can also there's like a forum. Uh, a mixed martial arts forum and this was posted like i think ages ago but it has like the match roughly like the match um listings mm-hmm. uh for this this special uh which i thought was helpful because i had never seen this this era of of wrestling it's like it's early 80s i think 90, is it like it's 83 i believe right it's, it's, leading eight, up to no, eight. it's um it's it's like the the fall of 82 into like the the spring okay. of 83 okay so it it it's early like it's even before yeah. i believe like the first starcade so yeah. it's um it's there's guys on there that i didn't <sighs> initially recognize including guys that i had heard of but aren't known as like their gimmick like there's a later on in this particular uh show there is like a like a wrestling match with black bart but he's not known as black yeah. bart he's like and- Rick Harris or something like that. He, he has a name. And um, Barry Windham is there with his hair dyed black as Black Jack Mulligan Jr. Yes. <laughs> um, and you have uh, Rick Rudd, which is yes. Rick Rude. Uh, <laughs> and just that, like jobber level Rick Rude. And very they, young. And like there are guys that I knew, but I had to look up. Like So Rick Rude was teaming with Maniac Mike Davis, who I know, mm. but I don't, you know, that he, it's 1982 and he looks like really different so yeah know, maniac just... mike davis the guy who uh captured a moon rock and uh was part of the rock and roll rpms who we don't want to talk about who, this <laughs> tag, tag who, did he, who did he team with in that it wasn't buck um buck zumhoff you sure that was buck zumhoff in the rock and roll rpms i feel so let's <clears throat> I have to look this up. So anyway, I want to say... Before oh, I, I, I corrected. It's Tommy Lane. Okay. I thought so. I would I would have way worse memories of that if that dickbag <laughs> Buck Zumoff was involved. I thought he was. He, who was he? I thought he was in some sort of rock and roll gimmick. Oh, no, he was. He was in the AWA because he'd come to the ring with a boombox playing, like, 50s, like, versions of rock because <laughs> Ron Gagne was, like, way out of date. It's like Vern Gunn. You got uh, was it was it Vern that got uh, crossed with Jannetty and Shawn Michaels? He's saying the Rockers. Everybody's gonna think you're chairs. <laughs> Probably. It's like um, no, that's not okay. Fine, but no, that's not what's gonna happen. <laughs> There's it's really bad if you watch like late '80s AWA. Um, well, other than Ron Trongard, who is just high as a fucking kite for everything. <laughs> Um, and if you ever watched the uh, lapsed fan episodes on there, on there, it, he, they ruined him forever because they did this like impression of him that's just hilarious. But um, it's it's a bunch of old men that don't get the rockers, like trying to hype them up as cool and failing miserably. Look at look at the they're wearing bright pastels. I don't know. I haven't heard it, but I can imagine. And um, so then. 
So I want to say, so just I'm, I was thinking earlier today and it's probably a a very, very conservative estimate of how much wrestling we've watched for the show. I would say at a minimum, we watched 300 hours of wrestling at a minimum. And I'd say we probably watched far more than that. And coming out of just the build, I think this might be my favorite thing that we've watched. It's. I didn't know what to expect because I had not seen any of this era. And uh, Brad is the one who proposed watching this uh, in the preparation leading up to NWA Final Conflict 83, which I think happened in March 83 back in the day. Um, And that show and this build is famous for the Slaughter Carnoodle uh, Steamboat Jay Young Blood match. Like that's that's much like the Larry Zabisco Bruno Sammartito match. It's one of those like old classic era wrestling matches that kind of like I don't want to say lived in infamy, but it was like known. It was very much yeah. known and respected. Uh, but people who are obviously younger, I mean, even even people who are like, if you are basically under 40, 40 and younger, you maybe have heard about it, but you didn't necessarily see it. Mm-hmm. But so I didn't know what to expect and. I started this watching this this show, and this this preview, this like segment of just build the road to Greensboro. I progressively got more and more and more into this show, and it's only ninety minutes. It's because it's only ninety, yeah. It's because even if uh, it has a lot of matches in it, actually, there's probably like eight to ten matches on it. And yeah, they're some all of them are like quick, quick, quickie little job matches. And and there's some promos in it too. Everything is not the longest of anything is maybe like a 20 minute segment or so. Yeah, and, and some of these some of these are bumpers like for arena shows where it's just like yeah, like Slaughter and Kurt will pop out and like oh yeah we're gonna kick the Briscoes asses and then they walk away. Like some of them are just stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. the the more I was watching it. And the more I actually sat back and I appreciate like what was going on and I was paying attention to it, you know, it wasn't just me watching like a dub- current WWE programming that's playing in the background. I'm like playing with my phone because nothing that they're doing is like captivating my interest. Yeah. This was compelling. And I would actually go to say, I understand what Brad you're saying, because when I walked out of this, I'm like, they do not remotely build to matches like what i just saw like this is a several week long storyline that they were fully committed to and they were they they kept moving the goalposts and they kept moving the chains of the story along each and every time and i was just like floored it's and such good storytelling there's probably if m night Shyamalan watched this there is a twist towards the end of it that would probably make him weak weep in sadness that he wasn't that clever mm-hmm. there was a happening later on in it that <laughs> yeah. would have said it. but you, you brought up bruno and larry which i think that 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 feud has a lot of merit but if i'm being mm-hmm. honest this buries that in the ground like I have to yes uh, yeah I, I have to agree with you Brad going into this it's a uh, I'm looking around and I'm like okay I know Slaughter I know Steamboat I've heard of Kernoodle Youngblood's name is kind of floated around in the back of my head so I was yeah. reasonably sure there'd be some quality but and you this knew, was you knew beyond private, you knew private Jim Nelson as Boris Zukov but not as yeah, yeah. 
but this absolutely blew away what I was. I, I, I came in thinking this is going to be pretty good. We'll have some stuff to pick at. We'll have some stuff we like. But this was like far exceeded what I thought we would be getting into, mm-hmm. and just just ran away with it. Um, there is. This is Brad and I had, had this conversation uh, at one point, but there was a we were having a discussion about there's some point in the mid 80s where it seems like the work rate kind of clicks over a little bit and is a little bit more in my wheelhouse. There's transition from it's the modern. old. Yeah, it, it gets a little more modern and, and kind of falls into a sweet spot that really fits for me, but. You know, these guys aren't quite there, but it doesn't matter because they do such a good job. They're concise and compelling, and the promos are good, and the angle is excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad, you would probably be the one to maybe best answer this, but who was booking these shows and this TV at the time? Um, Sandy Scott still, I think. I'd have to really dig into that. Mm. So because, was Sandy Scott the one who was uh, effectively responsible for this storyline? So what what happened is he kind of revolutionized Mid-Atlantic because Mid-Atlantic was a tag territory for like mm-hmm. decades. And he kind of came in and he kind of turned it around into like a singles promotion and brought in like a lot of these guys. But I don't know. This is kind of... This is kind of in a gray area. I would have to mm-hmm. to look. But he's around, but I don't know who is booking. Because I know Dusty comes in around 84. If Sandy Scott was booking this, then I have a lot to forgive him in his, uh, in his appearance in it. Because his appearance was was uh, had all the flash and sizzle of a broken UPS truck. Well, I'm, I'm going to get to that because I have a bone to pick with Mr. Yes. Yes. His presentation's super flat, but we'll get to it in due time. Yes. So let, let's start with how, how this kicks off. Where do we start from here, Brad? So this is um private Jim Nelson and private Don Cronodal verse, mm-hmm. uh, Terry <laughs> Taylor and Tim Horner. White lightning tomorrow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, they have a the match is not really very long, but in doing this, Nelson and Carnoodle's gimmick was that they were being trained by Slaughter. I think is that correct? Yeah, because yeah. I think Jim Nelson had just been a job guy. I don't know what Carnoodle was doing before this. He might have also been a job guy. That was kind of like his deal is he would take these jobbers and like take them to his, um, you know, where, uh, oh fuck. I can't remember their names. Damn it. The, um, the guys from the GI Joe movie, he takes them to that desert place and whips them into shape. Are you talking about the actual GI Joe movie? Yeah. Like Mer- was it Mercer was one of them. Mercer was one of them with Taurus and red dog. Yes. They were, uh, slaughters marauders. Yes. That's where he takes them. Yeah. I, um, I'm a huge G.I. Joe Mark, so I knew that. <laughs> uh, yeah, they they I love the simplicity of their ring attire, too, because they are in basically long uh, camo pants, green camo, and they just have like either white or black uh, wife beater t- 
tank tops. Singlets. Yeah. Singlets. Oh, they would, I guess they were singlets, yes. Th- this is immediately the first thing I picked out that they would screw up today because most companies would not be comfortable giving them such basic attire, but it makes them work. Mm-hmm. It gives them a unified look as a tag team, which is kind of a bone I have to pick with older wrestling territory stuff is that, you know, you had these guys that were going to be your tag team champions and it was guy A and guy B. And there wasn't a whole lot in the way of unified tag gimmicks where Nelson and Carnoodle have matching gear. They have a gimmick that goes together. They look like a team and they do a really good job in this match. They're really good together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The chemistry from, what it was supposed to be uh, was, uh, I think this was supposed to be their first tag together. I mean, they they work together excellently. I thought Cronodal through this whole thing, Cronodal is is like an unsung, like excellent contributor to everything. He's kind of the glue in all of these things, in that he binds this stuff together. He's not as big a presence as like Slaughter is. But he's the one that kind of binds it, binds this together and and keeps it going. Well, you know, what's shocked me about this whole thing, though, is when you get to the actual matches, I expected Cronodal was going to be showing most of the ass and Slaughter was going to be getting things back under control. But actually, when things broke down, Slaughter was the one bumping big and doing the crazy shit and like showing all Mm -hmm. the ass. Like it really Mm -hmm. took me by surprise that like that was the dynamic they went with. Because Slaughter's kind of the alpha through this whole thing. And, but... Slaughter's so good at selling. Mm, that's, yes. that's if if I mean for the gimmick it makes sense, right? You've got Slaughter is the big big tough guy, he's the leader. And so in the tag match when the faces fire up, they go after Slaughter because he's he's the big man in charge. And he bumps for them big, which makes them look better and it makes the match more engaging because it's like man they're whooping up on slaughter and he's the big man in charge stuff there's a there's a back body drop he does in one match and i am not kidding when i say say i think he got seven feet in the air when he when he flipped yeah uh i have a lot more thoughts uh, about slaughter later um and i'm not going to save them for like the the tag match from the the paper you're going to review next week, but I I, I love how this is basically dovetailing off the Savage, uh, not Savage, the the Warrior Slaughter match from from Royal Rumble '91 mm-hmm. because the I didn't really appreciate Slaughter back in the day, uh, but now that I'm we're seeing more of him. I feel like I'm getting to understand Slaughter, and one half of the reason why I think Slaughter is as good as he is is because he takes it upon himself to just be a bump machine. Mm-hmm. Like he will, he will eat ass, and he will like literally flip and flop and throw himself all over the ring you for disregard to try- for his own safety. He will literally kill no. himself to make someone look good. That's right. He will make everyone look good by he will just be like kill right there and killing himself and taking bumps. And he was slimmer in this era. He's oh, he's just like he's I, he's almost skinny, like comparatively. He's, he's practically svelte in this. Now, this is <laughs> this is about like nine, eight or nine years uh, prior to his 91 
uh, WWE run. About three-ish years before G.I. Joe, I'd say? Yeah. Three or four years, maybe. So, but he's like a bigger guy, but he's not like, he's not gigantic, uh, but he, he hit, he got bigger when he came to the WWE in the, the early nineties, but he definitely was like skinnier. He was more, I guess you could say in shape. It's a little unfair to him, but he, he definitely had like a leaner look to him, but he, again, he has a good enough size that he didn't necessarily have to do that. Like he, he could have like been a little more menacing and not just like throwing himself all over the ring to make an opponent look good. But he, that's what he did. He would throw himself around. He would take crazy bumps. He would sell his ass off to make the person look, look good. And, and I feel from what we saw here, like it worked like a lot. Yeah. That's why I use the phrase pinball whenever slaughter's selling. Cause like you said, he slings himself around. Mm-hmm. And man, like um, the promos took me by surprise too, because when he's just riffing, like he gets some, he gets some <laughs> brutal lines out there. Because there's a promo like that comes later after they hurt Jay Youngblood. He's like, every time I drive by a cemetery, I think about Jay Youngblood. <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's he plays up the heel like really well. Mm-hmm. I I totally. I remember when we were uh, in the Mega Powers thing, I think Brad brought up the point that Slaughter was kind of getting close to Hogan's overness in that era, and that's probably why he got cut for a little bit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I get it. Like, I didn't have as much to compare to like everything stuff I was seeing was later on, but this earlier stuff, I totally get it. I totally buy slaughter. Well, now, now, now it's understandable, but yeah. I, I had always heard that in the early eighties, like wait, long before I started watching then that he had been like arguably outside of Hogan. He was probably the most over baby face mm-hmm. to the, to the point where uh, I don't think there was ever really a concern that, he needed to step in for Hogan, but it's one of those situations that if he needed to, or he needed to be like the main event for a, a, a show, because they were they're double running a, a an area or what have you, like they would put they would put Slaughter Slaughter would be like the top face in the main event. And now with what we've seen, it's like okay, I get it, I see yeah. why. Like he was so good in the ring that he could do it, and he has a charisma to him. He's He's an interesting he's an interesting worker because visibly he's not you know he's not chiseled good looks uh, he's has a bald spot all of that but he's just he has a lot of charisma and it really comes out I think he's much I think he's actually much better as a heel from what we've seen but oh he's yeah because there's there's some other stuff that happens during this that I love but so mm-hmm. so this first match is. Well, hang on, Brad. Before you, do, I wanted to jump in one other thing that sits in the back of my head anytime we bring him up, but is still a point that I want to say out loud. I swear, part of what it is is that he has one of the best ring names of all time. Mm. Like that ring name, the way it flows and it it all fits together, and it paints a picture sergeant you know you got the million sergeant slaughter and you put it together that is an amazing ring name 
is so good. And he's got the a jawline Bruce Campbell would be jealous of. Like, <laughs> it, it's presence and the name and the gimmick, and it's just, oh, it's great. Okay, I'm sorry. So, the, um, Taylor and Horner obviously feisty jobbers here. Because mm-hmm. Taylor is really young and so is Tim Horner, but so they mm-hmm. they get, they put up a bit of a fight, um, and then this breaks down into a bit of a brawl afterwards. So then we go to our next match, which is um, Jim Nelson and Don Cronodal versus Tony Anthony and Mike George. Mm-hmm. Now Mike George is a guy that was pushed a bit in Mid South. I don't know about Mid Atlantic, but um. You can kind of tell for the dynamic of the match, though, that he is higher on the totem pole than Tony Anthony is. Mm-hmm. Because Tony Anthony eats the pin, and then they beat him up afterwards. And then I think, like, Jake Roberts and Barry Windham Jr. and some of those guys come in. And, yeah, they have a run in. Yeah, and then Slaughter kind of does con- some commentary with Bob Cottle for this, you know, and hypes his boys up. And then... um. Then we go to this is uh, Jim Nelson and Don Cronodal versus Jake Roberts and Johnny Weaver in an anything goes match. Um, I thought Weaver was a really good face in peril here, but what really stood out to me is they do the hot tag and Jake just destroys anything that's moving inside that ring for like a good couple of minutes. If you have ever wanted. If I was going to make a compilation video of the best House of Fire tags, this would go in there because Jake runs wild all over him. Amusingly, we have announcers who don't know what the DDT is, but this is before it was Jake's finish. He drops a DDT here, and they call it a brain buster. But uh, he comes in and goes nuts and it is really cool to see just you know jake roberts running wild unloading on people and they um and i thought i thought nelson and cardotal fed him extremely well when mm-hmm. it came time for that i think he dropped his cowboy gimmick because i don't think he had cowboy boots on he looked a little more the <laughs> jake you know because remember we watched that mid-atlantic match with him and slaughter a couple years ago and he was still doing the cowboy thing yeah, he was in boots and trunks here, um, your standard wrestler attire, but he was in boots and trunks. He was still using that, that running high knee as uh, his big move, and I don't remember who took that one, but man, they went up for it when he hit it. Well, I think I think, I think think Nelson took the DDT, so I bet Kernodal took the, the knee. Took the knee? Yeah. It, yeah, it was, it was really good, just... Comes in, got the momentum, goes up. Cornoodle goes up, bumps big off for it. Looked great. Yep. So then up next we have Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood versus Jim Nelson and Ben Alexander. So this is kind of just Jim Nelson teaming with a jobber. Well, hold on. Before, wasn't there like the promo before? I was going to do the promos next. Okay, there's okay. a couple promos. Okay. I think the promo you're thinking of is after this match. Yeah. Okay. Because I think I think the promos start kicking in for um after they make an appearance. So this is kind of a nothing match, kind of a squash. I think um oh ben, yeah Ben Alexander eats the pen because he's the obvious jobber here. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though, it is funny that Steamboat 
got a job in the WWF because he was such a body guy. Because if you see Steamboat in this, he is not—he does not look like the Ricky Steamboat you think he is. Um, <clears throat> no, I think there was a biography that I watched of Ricky Steamboat, where in this time, not only was he wrestling, but he was doing the bodybuilding competitions yeah. at the same time. And he, he could do it because he didn't have to travel as far, and he could get back to his gym and do his stuff and still make the, the competitions and that sort of thing. But, yeah, so WWF hired him because of his body, and then he couldn't maintain his body because of their travel schedule. Yeah. Because all he was doing is he was doing part of Virginia, he was doing North Carolina, and he was doing South Carolina. That was his – that's all he had to worry about. Yeah. Not so much travel that way. Yeah. Um, one thing that stood out to me in this match is Steamboat and Youngblood. This is the first the first match in this sequence you see them together, and they mm-hmm. work together fantastically. Yeah, they're really good. Very good. Like, they, um, I was actually I've I've seen Youngblood before, but I mean, you kind of think, oh well, you know, Steamboat's gonna be like doing everything i mean he's a better talker than youngblood i would say mm-hmm. um but the even steamboat's a little different than i thought because steamboat has a little bit of an edge to him that he seemed to lose as he got older i don't know if i call it so much as an edge as he seems to consider his words before he says them so he's being very particular and very deliberate I haven't mean in the uh, ring though, because he's much oh, he's much oh, okay. less goody goody. Like oh, there's okay. yeah, I got you. Like he's he's um he's willing to get down and dirty and stuff. Like if this version of him showed up in eighty nine, I think he would have been more over in the NWA. He feels much more like modern and contemporary in these than he did like later in his career. Yeah, I know he was known for his arm drags, but in this you see him laying out a lot more strikes than arm drags. Yeah. Whereas in other Steamboat stuff I've watched, he does them all, but there's a lot of arm drags. Well, he he's and, kind of a bit more of a power guy in this stuff. Yeah, and and I mean, you know, landing his shots and whenever they come in and he, he hits with something, it, it's got, not only is it crisp, but he looks so big, you're like, well, yeah, if he hits you, he'd go down. Yeah. So now we get to the promos. So this, this I think, has your guys' favorite promo in it. So Slaughter and Canodal <laughs> are talking. And um, I have to say, like, I like um, I like Slaughter's pimp suits throughout this whole thing. Oh, yes. Especially <laughs> yes. the camo one. Like, the yes. custom done camo one was the best. <laughs> I was just about to say, he did a promo wearing camo. And initially, I just thought, like, oh, he's just wearing, like, camo. Like, his... his like it was spring gear sometimes. And then I looked, I'm like, Oh wait, wait, that's a custom suit. And it was a custom camo suit. It was fantastic. If, if someone wore that today, it would be like, I would pop. It would be amazing. Like (laughs) best you're getting now is like whatever wackiness. Seth Rollins is Seth Rollins showing up with his grandma's doilies. Yes. Wrapped around him. Uh, but it worked. And I, Brad had mentioned this offline, but it's like, I love how like slaughter. It, the, the suits look tailored like he, they looked really good mm-hmm. and it kind of it, it, it was befitting of uh, a guy who is obviously being presented as a big deal but also presented as one half of the champions yeah can yeah. i go back to one something real quick before we get 
deep into like promos and other stuff. Now that yeah. I think now that I think about it, it Jim Nelson uh, teaming with Ben Alexander with uh, you know the scrub, mm-hmm. the chopper. It kind of makes sense because like obviously Slaughter and Kernoodle were a tag team and they were the tag team champs, but Jim Nelson kind of being odd man out. Now that I think about it, actually makes a certain amount of sense. Like he was definitely presented as like a lesser entity. Well, and if you it notice, kind too, of, if kind you of notice, important, wasn't it? Well, and there's there's a yeah. subtlety to this though, because um, when they have the belts, Don Cronodo is allowed to have real ring ring gear again, and he's allowed to wear mm-hmm. suits, but you never see Jim Nelson out of the fatigues. No, that's true. Yeah. And he doesn't get but, to wear his own ring gear. No. Yeah. Yeah. He's still private. So private Jim Nelson. He's still yeah. private. Yep. Yep. Sure enough. So this promo, <clears throat> Matt and I both got the biggest kick out of. Yes. Because they did something <clears throat> that you, it seems elementary, but they do such a good job, and they're such just unrepentant pricks about it. It's great. Oh, oh <laughs> yes. The camo by. Greg Valentine is awesome too. That's yeah. true. So Matt, go ahead. What what, what do they do? What? <laughs> so I forget how they have basically like a kid's artwork, like fan artwork. Mm-hmm. And Slaughter like holds it up, and then he and Valentine just start like mocking. I think is it supposed to be? I forget this part, but is it supposed to be uh, fan artwork of of Youngblood and Steamboat? Yeah, because he. Um, yeah. Because he's like, well, this one kind of looks like Youngblood, and he sniffs it. He's like, well, it smells like rice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, there was some like little low-key racism going on. But, yeah. Um, it's, it's not great artwork. It's not stick figures, but it's clearly it's done by like yeah. a, a, a much younger individual, like a child. And or they're David mocking Crockett. it. Yeah, they just start mocking it and like laughing about it. And then eventually they like rip it up like on screen. Like they, but what didn't Slaughter say like I gotta put was it Slaughter? I think it was Slaughter. He's like I'm gonna put my cigar out on it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They're totally like trashing it and then they rip the artwork up. And it's like I just looked at that. I, I wrote uh, I wrote some notes for this whole thing and I was like fantastic healing, fantastic. Yes. It's something oh, it's simplistic. So They're just dicks. It's like it's unnecessary. Like you have to like be trashing this little kid's artwork that he probably worked like really hard on, and the heels are out there just mocking it, and they're making fun of the baby faces. Yeah, yeah it's it's just amazing. It's great. And I have to say uh, the it. um the the champions holding their belt in their arm like folded up and holding it like mm. all classy like is a lost art form in wrestling like. I much prefer that to them holding it over their shoulder, just having the belt on. I think it it varies by the gimmick, because if you're the suit wearing, you know, this is what makes me, you know, Flair and these guys. And the most recent example I can think of doing it was Nick Aldis. Yes. But they're Nick Aldis is obviously doing kind of an homage to both uh, 1980s Ric Flair and really, probably more um, Nick Bockwinkel, mm-hmm. where he does like he will he will be holding the belt a certain way. He'll come out dressed in suits. He usually sometimes he takes the belt and he puts it on the table or a pedestal or something, and it's it's neatly folded, but it's presented to you 
the the ten pounds of gold, sweet Charlotte. It's mm-hmm. he, but it it comes off. It's like it's actually is really cool because he he treats it. And back in the day, obviously, like solder Carnoodle, they they treat it even though their heels are dastardly. Like they they're not supposed to have respect for anyone. They treat the belts as a prize, like yeah. but a, a like a valuable prize, one that should not be disrespected by anyone. And why would you disrespect it? Because I and the belt holder like disrespecting the belt is disrespecting me and so they treat it a certain way uh yeah. and that really actually i think adds to things well and there's a, a they they really do some subtle and not so subtle like well they're the champions and they have money and like steamboat oh, yeah. and youngblood are kind of these workmen that don't make as much money and they really do some things throughout to mm-hmm. to um play that up but i'll get to that later but i also want to say that's one thing i don't like about modern wwe is guys are never allowed to not be in their ring gear oh yeah 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 unless you're seth rollins and you're wearing a tablecloth a roman toga yeah (laughs) something like that i don't i don't get his gimmick does anyone like his gimmick are you supposed to like a giggly bitch like that i don't know See, I, I say that because usually that just gets a chuckle out of Matt for using that. <laughs> this is a this is an aside, but people caught this on the most recent episode of Raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becky Lynch came out, and she she has now taken to wearing like ridiculous costumes too. Um, but Why? she's not. A, I don't know, but she's not. I, I think they. I think they're trying to do a thing where it's like she's supposed to. She's presenting herself as like I'm the most important women's wrestler out there on the roster uh so i think they're going with that like she's presenting herself as like a star i'm a star i'm i'm i'll say like she's almost it's almost like oh i'm bigger than this but not like she's disrespecting wrestling it's more just like i'm the i'm the tops and i should be treated with that respect and that kind of played with her like her feud recently with bianca where she lost uh it made sense because it's like, oh my god, I can't believe I lost. Like it's this is like this is a travesty. Mm-hmm. It made a kind of sense, but she came out, I guess, on Raw yesterday, and she was wearing a jacket. And then Twitter had a lot of fun with that because they pulled out pictures, and it's like the same jacket that, uh, oh my god, I can't like Seth Rollins. No, it's not Seth Rollins. Oh. Uh, Jade Jade Cargill, like she had on, like weeks ago. Really? Oh, so yeah. she's biting off of a uh, Jade there. Well, I mean, in fairness, it's like there's only so many like outfits and things like that, and then there probably is some overlap with not designers on staff, but if you're trying to do like high couture. Mm-hmm. There's probably like a limited number that you're doing with, but it is interesting that Jade Cargill did it first. And, and Jade probably looked better in it, honestly. Yes, she did. Jade it's Cargill, one of those. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, uh, no. no. I was, that just as an aside, like Jade Cargill is like a legit star, and we can talk about her another time because they they really have something with her. Well, I mean, Becky is a bigger star, and I think she'll end up remaining a bigger star, but. Jake, Jade Cargill has more star power than than Becky does. Yeah. Becky's look is... Uh, Becky's 
stands out differently than Jade does. Jade just standing somewhere would stand out that way. Becky's is more of she fits in with her contemporaries, but she doesn't. If that makes sense. They've squandered she, a lot of her star power, honestly. Well, they've done many, many things poorly. Because I mean, they're gonna fuck it up. But I think I think Liv Morgan's like surpassed. I think she's fallen behind Bianca and Liv as far as people are. Well, I mean, to to just let her kind of go down the card a little bit and let Liv have her moment to shine and that sort of stuff. I agree with that. Like, okay, that's fine. And apparently, from what I was reading earlier today, Liv is amazingly over, and her merch sale at live shows is through the roof. Yeah, they just did so, to screw that up. Well, you know what? I'm going to applaud Liv Morgan for as long as uh, as long as uh, she's got this wave to ride. I'm sure so, her heel turn is for. incoming. Oh, of course. And it's going to be all because the fans who are cheering so much for her right now didn't support her. Well, that's the only reason anyone turns heel in the WWE. <laughs> so then we get the fans. So now. Strap in, kids, because this is about to hit overdrive. So we get the mm-hmm. first on this this set of um, Ricky Steamboat and um, Jay Youngblood challenging Slaughter and Cronodal for the titles. And um, so they this crowd is nuclear hot for this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I believe Slaughter is com- – is Slaughter commentating this one? Yes, he is. Yes, yes. Uh because this obviously he was in the match, but this is kind of like they're showing uh, parts of it for afterwards. And, the, and I, he's doing commentary. He's doing like a voiceover work with the uh, was it who was the other was it Bob been, Cottle? It might have been David Crockett. Okay. Sometimes David it was Crockett, sometimes David it was Crockett. really hard to tell Cottle and Crockett apart because mm-hmm. this is older style commentary. So the thing you have to understand, it's not like today where the announcers won't shut up. Like Cottle. Mm-hmm. And Crockett are both very comfortable just letting things sit for like 30 to 45 seconds without like chiming in. Yeah. And this is a different David Crockett. It's a little bit, he's a little bit younger in this and he is more subdued. He's not the more manic, excited David Crockett yeah. from, uh, from eighties NWA late eighties. Yeah. But you can tell, um, with both of them, like they're kind of just like, well, like this doesn't need me to chime in or even like, mm-hmm. um, even like when there's brawls and stuff, they'll, they'll talk a bit, but they, they'll even let some of that sit. And I think, um, even during like the interviews, like Cod will just let, like just stand behind them too, just so they can talk. So he's not in the way. Like it's a very different take on the announcers, like where they don't have to be standing there in everyone's face. Mm-hmm. I mean, though you do get some good. There's some good facial expressions from Cottle. Like there's some like mild like sh- expressions of disgust at various things being said, which are always funny. Yeah, it, but but it is a more understated way of approaching it. Yeah. I think, which so is nice. So then they do a really cool they they Slaughter and Cronodal have a really cool tag team move where like Cronodal kind of lifts them up and Slaughter comes off the top rope and elbow drops them like off of Cronodal's shoulder. Yes. And I, I had the, a hard time pinning what what to call that. They call it like a cannonball or something like that. 
or is it the slaughter cannon? Yeah, something like that. But I love when when they do that. Slaughter's like, look at like look at how like mean I am. I don't even care about my own partner's safety on this one. Yeah. It's for the time period. There's there's a lot of um. There's a lot of cases where they either they don't have a tandem finish. Like this isn't an overstated one, but that makes it fit for them. The fact that Kernoodle's lifting this guy up for a back suplex, and the bigger of them, Slaughter, is coming off the top with this elbow, forearm, fist thing, whatever, to drive him down. It it, it works. Like on paper, you'd be like, eh, but it, it works when you see it. Yeah, and um, I, we forgot to mention, too, Kernoodle and um, Jim Nelson did the heart attack. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. Uh, so then this kind of – the crowd is super hot through all this, but uh, they get – they do they do the um, the hot tag spot. Or is this the one where they're, like, kicking Steamboat on the outside? They were doing that, weren't they? I'm Cause there's, not sure. Because there's a point where um, – slaughter kicks him he's like well he was trying to trip me so i kicked him in the face oh yeah i i loved slaughter doing commentary on this because there are points in this he was just like gaslighting people yeah because there's one where it's like he uh he went to run uh i forget if it was uh i think it might have been young blood in the corner and or it could have been steamboat i think it was young blood and he goes to like attack the attack him with like a double axe handle or something of that nature. And he did a big run, jump in the air. I'm going to hit him. And then like young blood like moved. And so mm-hmm. slaughter goes like crashing into like the turnbuckle. It's a spot you've seen like a million times. And slaughter's like, look at that. Look at him. He deliberately threw me into the ring pole. And it's like, <laughs> that didn't happen. I, I just saw it. Like, That's not what happened. But he was like really selling everything where it's like, look at these, look at these guys. Like they're just breaking the rules, trying to beat us. Despicable. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I loved like his spin on things. It was such like a heel thing. And it was funny. It was unintentionally like hilarious. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it, well, actually, it, maybe it's intentionally the... hilarious, but. <laughs> right. It makes them even more hated because mm-hmm. you go no that's not what happened yeah it is don't you know that's that's exactly what happened and then it's uh they're like no no he didn't throw you into that you just missed no he threw me in you know the the denying of what clearly happened and being mad about it and all that stuff just it's more good healing mm-hmm. it's it's great i lost where we were <laughs> uh, we we're talking about the match Okay. Um, and then I forget, I forget exactly the sequence as what went on. Yeah. But um, Steam Steamboat and Youngblood like didn't win, and I think it's where Youngblood got injured, like obviously kayfabe injured. Oh, okay. Yeah. In the match, um, and the match like had to end because of that. And Slaughter and Kernodal are the champions, and then they like. They basically really like sold up the fact that they had injured young blood, right? And injured and young blood had to be like taken, taken out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Steamboat was really concerned, obviously, for his tag partner, 
Uh, but the but again, this is still this this is still slaughter on commentary. And again, but, he's just like riling people up. He's like, yeah, like Youngblood's done. He's done. Like he's not gonna be coming back into wrestling. And by the way, I heard Steamboat. He's like so upset. He's gonna retire because his tag team partner's gone. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't think that's gonna happen. But you're really selling this. Like they're done as a tag team. Yeah. Um, and it really kind of, if you watching the whole thing, it made a lot of sense. Like from a from a narrative point that he's like doing this, where he, they're just they they're clearly like Steamboat and Youngblood are a tag team that has gotten under their skin. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to 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 minimize them and entering Youngblood. He's like, yeah, yeah, they're done. Like we're not gonna have to worry about them again. And it's like, well, if you only knew, if you only knew what was happening. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, knowing what happens makes all of this just more delicious, doesn't yeah. it? Yes. So, um, all right, what's the the next thing? I, my notes got shuffled around, so I'm out. Yeah, of I didn't do like detailed notes on every single match, but after after this one was uh, Slaughter and Kernoodle versus Rick Rudd, <laughs> which is Rick, Rick Rudd. Rudd. And yeah. I didn't catch who the other guy is. It's uh, he's blonde. I think he was just like a jobber. He actually may have been you know, like a mid card, lower card guy, but I don't know. The description referred to it as Sergeant Slaughter and Don Carnoodle versus Rick Rude and question mark, question mark, question mark. Question mark. <laughs> yes, it's, it's Maniac Mike Davis. I looked, oh, I looked, oh, at, I dug really? through results and um, they were teaming this job, job team at the time. That's Mike Davis? Yeah. Oh, wow. He looks so different. He looks much different than what he looked like years later. He, I, I saw, I, I, he, it, I, I recognized him more once I saw the name, but Rude looks like Rude. Like, I was actually surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rick Rude, it was surprising, but the guy has kind of an evergreen look. Yeah. He doesn't have... I don't think he has his mustache here. It didn't look like it. No, I don't think so. But he does still have like a lot of curly hair. Um, now he doesn't have like the full perm that he would have later on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but he does. He has a lot of hair, and he's young. But he still has. He still looks like fantastic in terms of like body. Like the dude was like, the dude Rick Rue was all built. Like his entire career, he was like built the kid. Yeah. Um, and he didn't look too bad in this. Uh, he was just there to be like job fodder, but he didn't look too bad. Right, right. Um, this has one of the things that came out of this that um, surprised me because we got the the slaughter cannon again at the end of this, but Don Carnoodle set it up with one of the best running power slams that I have seen in a long time. Yeah. He he just hoists the dude up and then turns. It was like the first time I saw Braun Strowman start using the running power slam as a finish. I watched him do that, and I was like, now that fits. That's a good – and then he does that, tag Slaughter, and then he takes him up in the backdrop suplex for Slaughter to come off the top. And uh, it, it, it was a squash, but, you know, they look good in their squash. Yeah. And we, after that, we oh, get oh, uh, so we this is kind of where it gets a little more promo centric because I think we get some 
Some... Oh, was this the one where we had? Was that the match also where we had the god awful announce crew? I think so. Yeah, that the the match is fun to watch, but you turn the volume down. Because, is that when, God? Is that when Wahoo was sitting in and he was just kind of like not saying much? I'm not sure, but this this announced team seemed to be sapping the energy out of the match. That was really frustrating for me. Yeah, and and the other thing is, if you watch this, um, they're switching between Worldwide and just the Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling Show, and you have to tell by the the if you get like the blue NWA logo, it's Worldwide Wrestling, and the music's slightly different. Just FYI, and David Crockett is announcing Worldwide, and Bob Cottle's doing Mid Atlantic just for some <clears throat> background flavor. And I only know the difference because I've watched Worldwide Wrestling in 1985 and they had the same music still. Oh, okay. Because the music's very, like, late 70s, early 80s for this stuff. Right. But this this also had the promo with them, like, you know, the them bragging about hurting Jay Youngblood and, uh, and Slaughter was doing a lot of the, well, I heard, you know, Ricky Steamboat's going to retire. Yeah. And Ricky Gross. Steamboat took He's done. And Ricky Steamboat took time off to be with Jay Youngblood, which I thought was a nice little um, thing. But that also had the whole, like, when I drive by a cemetery, I think about Jay Youngblood, which was just a <laughs> great, like, heel burn. It's it's really, really good. Yeah. So then, um, so next up, we get, we get um, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood versus um, Rick Harris and um, Jim Nelson. Yeah, Rick Harris, who that's the one who he eventually will become Black Bart. Yeah. Yeah. So this this match is very significant in this feud because Jay Youngblood gets put in the Cobra Clutch by Jim Nelson and he gets out of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he gets out of it. This, by the way, this match, the these guys, um, Steamboat and Youngblood are fiery baby. Faces. Oh my God, they're fired up. And they look like they are great. trying. Yeah, they're trying to to prove a point, and they seem pissed. Like they are pissed that that essentially one of one part of Slaughter's crew, Jim Nelson, is there, and they are taking it out on him. And I have to give credit to like Jim Nelson's selling is like so good. He is just like taking an ass kicking, and he is just he's eating up every second of it. Like oh, he, it's, it's just it's also like a great. Champ. Matt, they dropped one of your favorite spots in it. What's that? We had repeated instances of the hammerlock body slam in this. Oh, yes, I saw that and I messaged, <laughs> I messaged Brad and Chad. I'm like, oh my god, they start, they're starting to do like hammerlock body slams, mm-hmm. which uh, obviously uh, Arn Anderson I know made that famous, but it's fantastic. I loved it. I popped for it <laughs> when I saw that happen. I'm like, look, it happened. And they just kept doing them, and he's just like, "Wow, there!" But Brad's right. All of a sudden, here comes the, the, and it's it's interesting because the Cobra Clutch goes to the mat here, and not fall on your back like leg scissor it. He, they go face forward in the mat, and he does get out, and you're like, "Wait a minute, what?" Because he kind of did gimmick- a leg sweep to get out of it, didn't yeah. he? It mm-hmm. looked it looked basically like a side Russian leg sweep, but I didn't catch it when he first did it. They then they slow mode it afterwards. Yeah, and you do clearly see like Jay Youngblood like grapevines the leg, and they point that out on the commentary. Like he grapevines the leg, and then he 
he basically does kind of like a side Russian leg sweep on Jim Nelson, but that that stuns him enough that he gets out of the hold. Mm-hmm. You know, now this is this is one thing I do want to point out real quick. Other than world champion, I mean, other than world class, which had all that like um, Christian Broadcasting Network money at the time, I would be interested to see how many other promotions were utilizing instant replay like Mid Atlantic was. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, they're doing it. Uh, one thing was like what's great. I think it's like afterwards, but like Steamboat just starts pointing and screaming and he's like he knows how to break the hole and it's it's so like wonderful it's like a, a baby face team allowed to like they're having they know they figured it out they're gonna get a comeuppance on the heels and the heels are like freak out about it mm-hmm. like it's so good yeah uh, I, it's great because you look around and you're like wait a minute these guys are suddenly someone to be worried about. This is this is a force to be reckoned with here. Well, and Slaughter's Slaughter's doing the classic. Oh, you broke his, but you didn't break. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's like, oh, he, he's like, he, it's not really like bravado. It, he's clearly like, it's like he's compensating. He's like, well, that won't happen to me. Like, it's not my hold. I taught him. I taught him the hold. Like, young boy can get it his hold, but not mine. And it's it's like he's coping, but mm-hmm. he does not expect Youngblood to be able to break the hold in any fashion by anyone. Yeah. And he's done it. So now, yeah, that's, that's a problem for him. That's a big problem. Yeah, so now we, we get um, up next. Now, the, the, the match list has question marks for both of these, but I don't understand why they missed it. Because, well, one, I know who they are because I've watched a lot of this stuff. But mm-hmm. they Bob Cottle clearly calls both of them by name. So this is Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronodal versus Mark Fleming and Ron Rossi. Mm. He says both of their names during the match because I saw that and then I paid attention. I was like, well, I know that one guy, but I'm not sure his name. But it's Mark Fleming and Ron Rossi. Who okay. are Now, these aren't like these and this match reflects it, but these aren't um, these aren't your like feisty jobbers. These are jobbery jobbers. Yeah. There's, I was listening to uh, a comedy album here recently from K. Trevor Wilson. And if you don't know him, he plays Squirrely Dan on Letterkenny. But he said, I've got the body of a wrestler, but not a good wrestler. The sad wrestler. The one who is already in the ring when the, you come back from commercial. It says, <laughs> yes. weighing in this much they from St. Paul, entrance. Minnesota, yeah. Scott. And you know things aren't going to go well for Scott. And that's what that's what we got here is with these two guys. You're like, oh, you you guys, you were in the ring when we came back from commercial, weren't you? That's that's how yeah. this is going to go. And they're not even guys that are notable. I mean, I know that he had like a he actually had like a dead pretty decent career before he became like jobber fodder for the WWE. But it's like it's not even jobbers that are recognizable like Iron Mark Sharp. Or like, like um, <laughs> Pistol Pen like Watley in like 1991. Yes. Yeah, they had like an interesting name and they they would do things that are like recognizable and you get like a soft spot for them. Like you would see them and it's like, oh, Iron Mike Sharp. Yeah, he's going to like get his ass kicked by like Tatanka, but that's Oh, and he okay. has this cute little cast on his arm. Yeah. Ah, rah. It's but, like he roars. Canada's this is the greatest guy. athlete, Mike Sharp. <laughs> These two are the guys who whenever you get done – they're going to go back to work at the 7-Eleven and people are going to go, hey, yeah. 
surprised to see you at work here after what Slaughter and Canoodle did to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I listened to actually, I think it was Aaron Anderson talking about these kind of jobbers. And he's like, you know, it's like they either have no sense, but you kind of got to respect that they they show up every week and just take an absolute beating, but they have the fortitude to come back and like take their beating the next week just the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they got lucky, there would be something about them that was notable or interesting. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Bob, do you guys remember like Bob Cook? Yeah. Yeah, Bob Cook, like in, in NWA, WCW, like he was a jobber. He always lost, but he had like a hell of like a left hand. Like he would swing that left. Every now and again, they would let him like swing that left hand on someone. And it didn't connect, and the guy would like sell for it. He would bump, mm-hmm. and it was like so fun. Like, oh, he got him. He got the – and then nothing would happen. Like he'd get right back. The, his opponent would get back up and like kick his ass, but it yeah. was fun. Who was the uh, the jobber? Brad, you sent the, the the gif around not long ago, the jobber where he was having a match with one two three kid and he went running and kid kicked the back of his leg and he jumped. Oh, that was Chris Chetty, to... wasn't it? Okay, no, that oh not Chris no. Chetty. That's oh, Chris Cass. Hamrick. Chris Hamrick. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, who he... uh, who had like a time in in ECW as someone uh, notable, but when he, he was mostly like a jobber. Well, he had an indie run. I think he and Tracy Smothers were like a tag team in the early two thousands on yeah. the indie scene. But he got that spot in, you know, on WWF shows for taking that bump. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it kind of fits in with the idea of, you know, maybe there's something that that holds up for them or stands out. Maybe there's something they do that, that you want to bring them back. You well, want I mean, to put them, put them out there more. I mean, the Mulkies got over with Mulky Mania because it was a joke because they would just. I mean, have you ever seen a Mulkey squash? I've posted a couple before, but I mean, they just yeah. get, they get mauled. Yeah. They're like the quintessential jobbers, like I've talked about. Like, you need to be a bit disheveled, look a little miserable, probably not in great shape, uh, probably being as pale as possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking Chris of Hamrick. which, um, we, I sent you a clip. I think it was it was Sid and Spivey and this idiot jobber wouldn't sell for them and then he oh, got yeah. beaten yeah. horribly. Yeah. But I like Yeah, him. well the one guy did. The other guy They he just was shoot him ball. away. Yeah. Yeah. They're professional about beating that guy's ass because the other guy they're like, You did nothing <laughs> wrong. Be gone with you. They're yeah. Like, dude, you're done here. You, he, you, you're done. And Spivey wasn't screwing around with him because like they get him out of the ring and he like gets up and Spivey just kicks him right in the head. <laughs> yeah. That guy didn't get the message. No, no, because because they, they didn't do anything bad and then he wouldn't go down they just start slamming him harder and harder. And then spy, I think they finally just him and Sid spike the guy down and Spivey just shoot pins him. Yeah. And then his so buddy get his, Partner gets back in, and they just kind of gently toss him out of the ring, and then they toss that guy, and then Spivey kicks him in the head and, like, jumps on him and starts punching him. Yeah, they, uh, the, the other guy, they were like, no, no, you're, you're done, but this guy, they, they pitch him. So, Shad, as a worker, were they justified in the beating they laid upon him afterwards? I, I don't know that you deserve that much because um, that was that was pretty rough but taking a couple of stiff shots because this guy they would hit him with something 
and he'd just get right up immediately. Didn't yeah. matter what it was. He'd it just was, get right up. It was pretty blatant. Yeah. yeah, and so they stiffed him. If they had stiffed him a few times, and then you go to the back, and you get chewed out, and, you know, you son of a bitch, what do you think you're doing? You're never going to work here again. You've ruined, you know, any shot of ever coming back here. Like that, yeah, okay, I, I that would seem a little more in line, but just beating the hell out of him, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, you're you're cutting your own throat when you do that. That that was kind of the problem with that guy is that he he's facing Spivey and and Sid, Sid. who are being presented as like big monsters, yeah, because they're they're huge, they're they're really big dudes, and he's going out there and not even selling anything for them. It's like, dude, this is beyond this is beyond it. Like you're making them look bad in a match that you're just supposed to be like squash chopper fodder. Yeah. So I I I understand what you're saying, where it's like, oh, they they kind of didn't have to go that hard on him, but I kind of understand it. They're, that from their perspective, I imagine it's like you're really gonna like not sell. Let me, like, let me I'm gonna have, yeah. yeah. Let's I'll borrow Chris Rockism. Yeah. Let's borrow Chris Rock. I'm not saying I'd have done it, but I understand. Yeah. Also, I sent another one too, which was another. That one was weirder. So this is like Mike Rotunda versus a guy named Death Row. But that one was weird because the guy would cooperate and then he would stop cooperating because like there's this corner spot they do twice and both times he gets like mad off of that. Mm-hmm. And like the first time Rotunda like just kind of gets him down on the mat and you can kind of tell him like talking to the guy being like, hey, you know, chill, chill, chill. Then it happens again and then Rotunda is not so nice that time and then like mm-hmm. shoot pins him. Uh, Rotunda socked him one on the mat too. Yeah. But, like, Rotunda, I think, probably dislocated his arm, too, because he puts him in, like, a chicken wing, and, like, he's, like... He's got a severe hammerlock in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... But that one was weird, because the, I, I didn't understand what that guy's problem was, because he would work with him a bit, and then he would, like, get mad or something and stop. Right. I'm not sure, either. It, it, it was hard to tell. Yeah. But, um, so... Are we back to so this these these poor jobbers get beaten horribly? Yeah. So um so this this next match is called the bloodbath. Yes. And this is <laughs> this is Ricky Stevo and Jay Youngblood versus Sergeant Slaughter and Darn Kernodal, and this turns into a riot. Yes, it yes. does. Uh, Pier Six Brawl, but it's more than a Pier Six Brawl. Like that, this does turn into like a riot. Like there. There's Go like ahead. cops coming into the ring. There's there's refs. There's wrestlers. They're like chucking people left and right. Like I think some real cops got chucked out of the ring, <laughs> and then they're still rolling around on the ring, punching each other. All of them are bleeding like fucking stuck pigs. <laughs> well, there was one. I had I took a slight issue and I, I messaged you guys about it. It's like Don Carnoodle has been throughout this entire thing great, a good worker, but he blatantly blade jobs in front of the camera like multiple times but remember you see the, him like pull out a, a, a razor blade and like put it across his forehead several times in full view of the camera i will then, i will defend him though he was he was at a house show so he was probably not I, used to those getting filmed i guess but it's like even if you it's not like there was like a million things it's, it wasn't like the recent aew blood and guts thing where it's like there's a bunch there's like 10 other guys in there and they're yeah. doing stuff and so you can like discreetly 
blade yourself. This is like there's at most like four people, five if you count the ref in the ring, and he's just like doing the blading no, right was... in the middle of the ring. No, no, there were t- they put two refs on this match because they got so out of control the last time. Well, yeah, and by the end of it, when it didn't turn into a riot, the reason it turned into a riot is because it's like just they should start brawling. They're throwing hands, throwing everything, and then s- the baby faces, Steamboat and Youngblood, just start like kicking the ref's ass where it's like you're gonna you're gonna stop me you're gonna stop me from attacking slaughter canoodle okay then you're gonna catch these hands too and they just start like <laughs> punching them and i loved it i love like the fire this is what uh, brad you were saying like the steamboat has some fire to him like yeah, fire not that it's like baby faces are riled he, up he literally has like canoodle pinned to the mat and he's punching him in the face yes he had fire to the sense like i will kick ass and take names like that's what i'm gonna do and that's my this, job and this crowd is like this crowd is like on fire as this is oh yeah on. nuclear yeah. this this the heat in this crowd is like fantastic yeah that's the in my notes uh, i'm watching this and i went nuclear for steamboat young blood young blood yeah to to steal a phrase from what's probably has been a wrestling review on the internet. Youngblood was full bore house in fuego here. Just, yes. Oh my God. Just going wild. And he Cobra clutched like Shad. He yeah, stole okay. it. Yes. Yes, he did. Cobra clutched by Jay Youngblood. And by the way, Shad, I'm doing yeah. the, I'm doing the, in real life, I'm doing the meme mm-hmm. of Leo DiCaprio holding a beer, smoking a cigarette, pointing, pointing, <laughs> I know who you're talking about. That's our good friend, friend of the show, Damien Gonzalez. <laughs> yes, and that's a joke, Dames. I'm not calling you has been out of malice. Now he he would actually get a chuckle out of that. <laughs> Dames, we've had him on the show. Love, like, but love I mean, Dave. could you imagine if they did this at like a WWE show? It would. You couldn't. It's it's become like so PG era. No, yeah. um, the last time they did this was like Joe and Brock. Yeah. And, and that's because it was Joe and Brock. No one's yeah. going like, to tell them, though. No. Yeah. They were such... They were such standouts on the roster. Yeah. But the the part of what made this so wild was how hot the crowd was. Yeah. Um, I, have, I have done... In my career, I did one thing kind of like that. Only one. And if... if the crowd had not gotten so into it, then it really would not have come off. So, but the crowd got so crazy into it that it elevated the whole thing. Yeah. And it, it knocked, there was somebody recording it and it knocked the camera over. So we don't have any footage of it, Hmm. but the crowd being that hot for it and going that wild, like elevates the whole thing. And it's, 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 there's it's, people flying and there's blood everywhere and it's fantastic. I I remember like if this is going way back, but I remember just as an aside like Jeff Jarrett saying like about pro wrestling, it's like the people you get it like it basically roundabout way saying like if you get it you get it, mm-hmm. and to the people who get it it's like there can be nothing better sometimes, and it's like this if you view pro wrestling as an art form. And I know people like sometimes scoff at that. It's like, oh, it's an art. Yes, it's an art form. It's like it's it is a weird amalgamation 
of performance art, of soap opera, of combat sports, etc. It's all of these. This elevates it in a certain way because you have in this moment, you have people that so suspend disbelief. Well, at this point, they probably thought of, they didn't. They thought it was kayfabe, but I mean, if they suspend nah, disbelief, been, it, that's one of the cutesy little things like Cornette and those people mm-hmm. say. But like the people knew it was fake since like the fifties. Okay, so they but knew it was fake. Can, you, they, it's it was easier to just enjoy the ride without people yes. being like. Oh, you know, it's fake. I had someone hit me with that last week. You used to do that. Isn't that all fake? And I'd be like, I don't know, three concussions and my neck's too screwed up to keep doing it. Tells me fake ain't the right word. Yeah. But it it was easier for them to just to sit down and enjoy the ride and get into it. That's a good way to put it. It's they're enjoying the ride. It's a roller coaster. And And, society wasn't like quite so cynical about everything at the time. And true. But but I'm going to defend people on that though, because entertainment has gotten super cynical. Like they've fed that mentality really badly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But again, my point is like, there is, to me, there is beauty in a moment like this in pro wrestling because it is people that are so like they're they're suspending disbelief and they are so clued in and bought in to what's going on that effectively a riot, a nuclear like heat is going on because people are so worked up about what they're seeing, mm-hmm. good or bad. Not bad in the sense that they don't like this, but hatred for the heels appreciation for the faces like they want to see this like they want to see these dudes like tear each other apart it's like and the, it's beautiful it's so fantastic and the faces are kicking ass yes so they're it's... not they're, it, they're not pulling punches they're just going at it when i saw this i was messaging you guys and i'm like what the f is this ending it's dudes coming in to like try and and cause like some semblance of like order to it and steamboat and jay youngblood are like beating them too they're like ripping dude shirts off off their bodies where it's like get get the f out of my way ripping it off trying to get at, at, at slaughter and Carnoodle, attacking them it's fantastic i was like what is going on riot is the best way to put it it's like a it's a it's a riot that was contained effectively within a ring yeah, this when when people talk about old school wrestling and getting invested in it, it's like if you point at this and say this is what I'm talking about, I look at you and go, I get it. Now the yeah. difficulty is that this is fairly unique in you know, to see this kind of response because we've watched a fair bit of older stuff. Seeing a response this wild is uncommon. And today you don't see quite the same response. You you see some crowds are into it, but they're not to the point where they're wanting to hop the rail and storm the ring too. And it's not, you know, workers are throwing real cops out of the ring because they're not sure who's who. But God, it's so much fun to watch. So we get, we get the fallout of this. Um, so slaughter and, Cronodal are out with their heads bandaged up because, you know, they bladed. 
and uh, Sandy Scott comes out. Now this what this is what he did that pissed me off. Like I didn't have a problem with his promos, um, other than he beat around the bush too much. But he never said what they got fined. Yeah, it was all this like grave talk. It's like yeah, we're gonna level a fine on this 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 bloodbath, this riot, and it's gonna be one. It's gonna be the biggest fine we've done. One of the biggest fines we've done, but never, never actually identifies. Yeah, what the fine I, is. I had canon that it was ten grand a piece, because for era that would be a big fine. But I like, but slaughter's slaughter's mad at first. He's like, well, I hope you know Steamboat and Youngblood are getting the same fine. He's like, well, we'll worry about them. And then slaughter's like, well, anyway, we talked to our lawyer and we knew what the fine was gonna be before you gave it. So here is a check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> slaughter's just like, here, I wrote a check for it. Here you yeah. go. Yeah. Which he, I was telling you guys, like, he didn't do this, but I thought it, like, it would have been, like, a really, like, heelish dick move if he just took the that check, folded it, and then just, like, put it right in Sandy Scott's, like, lapel. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been, like, such a dick move, but he didn't do it that. And even, he yeah. did give him the check. Yeah, and now, I'm pretty sure, because I think this, I think this was, this was on Worldwide Wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, we go to the next promo, which is Bob Cottle with Steamboat Youngblood, which is on Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. So, obviously, if you watch Worldwide, you saw Slaughter and Kernodal get fined. But now, if you're going over to Mid-Atlantic, you know they've been fined. So, then you have Sandy Scott comes out, and he says, well, we're giving you the same fine, too. And Bob Cottle is beside himself. Yes! I was, I was, like, confused. Like, how, how are you surprised? Like they're part of the riot too. Yeah. Like they're ripping yeah. dude's shirts yeah. off. They're like getting everything's getting bloody. It's like, how, oh. and Bob Cottle is like, I'm surprised they find Steamboat and Youngblood. <laughs> it's like, why? Yeah. Why are you shocked? Yeah. But this it's, is the. It, pro- but the problem is though, he never says what it is, and then like Youngblood, and, Youngblood and Steamboat are like, well, well, we'll figure out how to pay this because, because well, I I, I messed up. So when when Slaughter and Kernodal get fined, he says, well, we're gonna. They're like, well, you know, okay, well, we're done with them. You know, we have commitments in Japan. You know, we have the Briscoes we yeah. need to defend against. And, and Sandy Scott's like, well, that's fine. But in March, you have to face them in a cage because we're we're ending this once and for all, which they're yes. pissed about. So then they're really pissed. That, that plays in because then they're going to have a contract signed in one week and Steamboat and Youngblood have to pay their fine to sign the contract for I, the match. I like this. I like this because they all along they've kind of presented Steamboat and Youngblood as like essentially like underdogs in more ways than one. Not just because they're not uh, the champions, but they're almost like working man status. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And to the point where they're living with this fine and Sandy Scott is telling them like you have to basically clear this fine by next week the contract signing or there won't actually be a match like we, we won't we won't sign the contracts and steamboat right before he says that steamboat and and youngblood are like well how long does how long do we have to like get the get the money for the fine and it's it's almost like a it's underplayed they're not like freaking out about it but it's there's like a, a level of like quiet desperation yeah where it's like they maybe don't maybe they don't have the money Maybe they don't have the money for this fine, or it would really, really financially tax them. Now, to what, pay this fine. what they're doing is they're, it, it, you know, Slaughter and Kernoodle being like, fine, here's the money for it. It's like, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. we we have the money. We're not worried. Like, I, I wish yeah. they would have said 
something, but by leaving it nebulous, it I think they were trying to make it more ominous. Whenever you turn around and do that with Steamboat and Youngblood, though, and they're like, "And how long do we have?" And they're like, "Well, you have to have it next week." And they kind of look at each other like, "Can we? Can we talk for a second? Yeah. Everybody watching was going, "Oh man, I know how they're feeling right now." And it it just makes them more sympathetic. Yes, it made them more sympathetic. It added to the point where like people at that time, if you think about historically like at that time that was still like you're still coming off like really bad inflation money for everyone is like energy a big crisis concern. yeah money it, it's that's a legitimate like real life concern that was happening in that era yeah so then being jimmy carter on tv telling people to wear a sweater <laughs> in their house yeah like that's yeah well, in, in the early 80s, this would have been like Reagan, but the effects would still be in, in a. I don't in think they had on. gotten out of it yet. And you're coming off of like the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. like a lot of crime. I think um, yeah. I think the crack epidemic is just starting to yeah to fire up time, at this time. Times were tough. So it, it's a very realistic, like real life concern that they're like they couldn't necessarily pay this fine. Yeah. It mm-hmm. made them way more sympathetic. They were like kind of sweating bullets. So they're going to like get the money for that fine in order to get what they want, which is the title match. Now, when we go into the, these next couple of promos and the contract signing, there is a very, there is a very, very tiny detail they did here that is brilliant. And it shows mm-hmm. like how committed they were. So if you, if you look real close at, at the contract signing and the after promo, and if you paid attention through all these promos and going forward, Cronodal and Slaughter always have custom fit suits. Yes. But if you watch Steamboat Youngblood at the contract signing and a promo afterwards, their suits are obviously off the rack because yeah. the sleeves are all fucked up. Like Youngblood's holding his arm up because his it'll go over his hand. Yeah. And it's such yeah. – you might miss it, but it's such a small detail that just like goes in with all of this. It is. I don't know who created that, like actually worked out that detail, but it's brilliant. It's a brilliant detail. Yeah, it's a, it's great. Yeah. It's such a small thing, but it adds so much. They, they go to the contract signing, and this really exemplifies something I didn't realize, but no one has been an idiot during this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Not at all. So they do the contract signing, and then they mention a stipulation. And um, if if Steamboat and Youngblood lose, they have to. Um... Well, and the other thing, another difference too, is uh, Slaughter and Cronodal brought their lawyer to the signing, which yes. was a nice yeah. detail. But so if 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 Steamboat and Cr- if Steamboat and Youngblood lose, they have to break up as a tag team, and they they mention that and like, well, like okay, well. Let's talk about it for a second. And they kind of confer. And he's like, well, we're going to do yeah. it, but this is a big deal. I love this detail because – well, they I mean, they, they were playing that back with Sandy Scott. They're like, well, what, they, what does this mean? Like we have to stop wrestling? And Sandy Scott's like, well, you have to stop wrestling as a tag team. Like you can no longer continue as a tag team unit. And then they like – they're both very grave. They're both like taking it very, very seriously, and they're like – steamboat is like can we have a minute to talk this over and you see them like over like just discussing it off not off camera but off obviously like a live microphone and i love that because it's something they the phases aren't dumb they were not presented as dumb in any way they're like we need to talk about this like we're not gonna just make a rash decision we need to actually discuss like we need to weigh this like really quickly but we need to weigh this and they're out there talking it over and i saw that and i'm like 
if this was modern WWE, not only would they like just immediately sign the, the, the contract, but you would be thinking like, oh, okay, like so they're gonna sign it and then they're gonna go on to win the championship and it's all gonna be fine. No, like we, let's be honest, like that modern no. WWE, the way things are, they would sign that contract like chumps without reading the contract. They would just sign it with that stipulation, or or like they would just sign it. Then afterwards, immediately afterwards, the heels would be like, oh, we got this yeah. stipulation. Ha, ha, ha. I can tell you the segment almost beat for beat. Is he? Are you here to sign this? Go ahead and sign it then. If you want to sign it, go ahead and sign it. And the face signs it and throws it on the table. And the heel smirks at him, signs it, and says, by the way, there's sti- you're not smart enough to read it. There's a stipulation in here that if you lose, then you break up as a tag team. And then Youngblood would, would have- turn on Steamboat at the, the pay-per-view. <laughs> there and it is. It's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. Like, it's like, you were mad about it. You didn't believe in me. The fans didn't believe in me. It's just, yes. Oh, God. Yes. The fans that were cheering for you guys the whole time. I like, turned because of the fans. Because of the fans. Yeah, that's exactly what the WWE would do nowadays. Exactly. Those, those fans, they're always set to low, and they don't circulate the air right. It's yes. the fans. Because the know. modern WWE has absolutely zero understanding of how to book a babyface. None. Yeah. So then I, um, we get we get an after promo with Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat, and mm-hmm. – um, they reveal that they've had a bit of a mole in Sergeant Slaughter's camp. And <laughs> out comes Jim Nelson in Sergeant Slaughter's hat with his whistle, and, his glasses, and his swagger stick. And he's like, he kind of does the Vince, it was me all along. But he's yeah, like, you know who kinda. taught them to break the Cobra hold? Me. And he's like, yes. You know who taught him the Cobra clutch? It was me, you know. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, I'm and... tired of being your whipping boy. And I, I, it, this, this part blew my mind. Yes. It's such a, a interesting, well done twist. And like I, how I said earlier in this episode, how, if you actually go back and think about it, like everything you've seen where you have Jim Nelson being the odd man out, Jim Nelson like not being able to update his attire, Jim Nelson always having to like team with with jobbers and schlubs, and being treated as like a lesser entity in the slaughter stable. Like now it's like, oh my god, like all of that built up to this. Like he felt underappreciated. He felt all this like growing resentment, and he basically turned face. And it's not even like he's turned face because he's like, you know, he he fully rejects everything he's done but it's like you didn't appreciate me it's like f you like i'm gonna actually help steamboat and youngblood it's, i love uh-huh. go ahead matt i'm sorry no no i was just gonna say like it's so well done it's such yeah. a well uh a, like turn and it's so interesting i love that nelson goes <clears throat> i was the one that had to drive you everywhere when you guys would go in and have steak and i'd say i was hungry they'd say you go in the gas station and get you something to eat then Wait, <laughs> It's yes. Just, yeah. Right. Like they, he, he's phrasing things as <laughs> real grievances they would have on the road, but he's saying this happened every time. This always happened. You never believe. And then he says, you know, if you want to get your hat back, slaughter, if you want to get your whip back and your whistle and all this sort of stuff, you're gonna have to go through them and then get to me to get it, cause, it, cause we just had the heels get one over on the faces by saying. 
oh, by the way, if you don't win, you have to break up. <laughs> oh, we're so evil and we're already so dominant. What are you going to do? And then the faces are like, yeah, okay. And then next week they show up with the surprise where Nelson's just like, by the way, guess what? Your secret weapon don't work no more. Booyah, suckers. Wish you'd better, you'd treat me better now. And all of a sudden it's, the, not only are the faces not stupid, but we have an even playing field. And mm. it's so cool. Yeah, and so we get this little side thing where, like, they, they kind of take a backseat, and, like, the next 10 minutes is kind of Slaughter and Jim Nelson doing kind of some dueling promos and setting up. I think it was a March 3rd show. They were gonna They were going to meet in the ring. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much turned into like Slaughter's like, oh, I'll get those things back. And then Nelson's like, yeah, like, come and get them, buddy. Like, mm-hmm. you want your stuff back? Like, come beat me and take them. Oh, Nelson had another good line. He said, I could we could we could break your leg. We could hurt, you know, break your arms, that sort of stuff. But that doesn't hurt you as much as you getting pinned to the mat and beat. And it's like mm-hmm. it's like he he's hit every aspect of their pride he can come up with. And it's it's just oh god it's so good. It was such a good turn. So then we we finish this off. So this is this is Slaughter and Cronodal versus um, a very young Mike Rotunda who looked excellent in this match. Mm-hmm. And and Jim Nelson actually this match was really good. Like they they like Rotunda was like coming off those ropes hard on some of that stuff. And him and Nelson wrestling was I mean him and Cronodal wrestling was really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. So I mean they win, um, and then a big brawl breaks out. And that's pretty much it for this. And um this is the build up into next week where we're gonna be doing the actual event plus the cage match. And I yes. have to say this build was just awesome. It was fantastic and watching everything and again this is only like about an hour and a half thing but watching everything and how it built and how layered it got mm-hmm. and again like things like with this like last minute twist and if you it makes you go back and look at stuff you saw earlier and it's like you start connecting dots you didn't even know you needed to do and it just made so much sense there's so much good characterization by effectively all parties involved and then you're looking at this and you're like, well, yeah, I saw like them tag matches with Kernoodle and Nelson against like jobbers or whatever. Like that kind of made sense, but I don't really know like how that played in. It plays in like it yes. all, it all weaves together. That's why I was like, who booked this? Because it's so intricately done that it's like, I don't, as much as people give credit to like Tony Khan. And I think Tony Khan generally does a good job with how he, uh, how he structures things out. I don't know who can do this. I don't know who nowadays could do something like this layered and interesting. Cause there's things, there's obvious things in here. If, if you're looking at dates, there are little snippets they put out there that pay off four months later and get referenced. It's like when macho man during the mega power breakout used video footage to air his grievances against Hogan was referencing things from like years ago. It's like that. They would like like the fact that when they showed Slaughter they could break the cover hold, they did it against Jim Nelson. 
And yeah. like, and even like the beating they put on Nelson, like it makes a little more sense because we talked about how he was just taking it. And it's like, Oh, like, you know, they were kind of working together there. Yep. And it gets in Slaughter's head. Oh, uh, it just, God, everything pays off. It's, um, here to draw a weird parallel. Part of the reason that, uh, I like the Wheel of Time book series so much and it has so much reread is there's nothing in it by accident. Everything has a point somewhere. And that's what this feud was. Everything in this feud had a point somewhere. Even if in the moment, you know, Slaughter making fun of the, the kid's artwork on his sign. Sure, that's healing. But everything actually has a per- There's nothing that just happens because it just happens. Like there, there, there is a purpose to it. Yeah, because even, even like as it progresses at first, you're kind of confused when Jim Nelson's suddenly like teaming with schlubs and losing, and then right. like it makes sense. And then like, yes. like I pointed out, like how Kernodal gets his own ring gear, Kernodal gets mm-hmm. to wear suits, and Jim Nelson's just still in his his fatigues, and you know Don Kernodal doesn't have a rank anymore. Mm-hmm. Jim Nelson is still private Jim Nelson. Like it, there's so much, like there's so much like interweaving little layers. Yes. Of detail to this. And the best part is, even if you have listened to this and not watched it yet, it doesn't take anything away from you going and watching it for the first time. You get all of the fun of picking these things out and seeing them pay off later. Because there's even stuff we didn't talk about. Right. This is, it's just and this, it's, there's such a lot of subdued characterization too. Like there's so many little things. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of want to watch it again just to see like with the knowledge of the Jim Nelson turn. Like mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to go. I almost kind of almost wanted to rewatch it right after I finished. Cause like oh my gosh, I have to see like like are there little looks or there little you know like are there little things that they they chose not to do. Kind of like watching The Usual Suspects right after you watched it the first time, because then you get to pick out all the stuff. Yeah. This this was a fun watch. This really was. I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, this blew me away. Like, I knew it was going to be fun, but this was this was next level booking. Yep. Yes. So, um, next show, we, we do the, the payoff, right? Yep, the payoff. So, that'll be fun, too. And we get we get to look for all this stuff that that builds into it. So, yep. All right. Are there any announcements we want to do before we we roll out or? No, we're kind of. I think we're kind of trying to figure. I think we're doing Spring Stampede '99 in August, and then we are we're kind of conferring with each other right now about some long form content, but we're trying to decide on what. Like, I think we know what we're gonna do for the first one, but. We're going to kind of start going, I think, into a little more project viewing instead of like Mm -hmm. one off shows, Um, Mm. especially after this. I think I think some contextual viewing of older stuff would be interesting, but we're kind of figuring that out because we have some ideas, but we're deciding between do we want to do something that takes four to six months or do we want to do something that's going to take us three years? So that's kind of where we're at. (laughs) Yeah, so um, 
and there's some other things that we haven't done that we're going to try and get sprinkled in here and there. So yeah, we, we, we've, we've got a, ba- we've always got a backlog of stuff we want to do, but um, we're, we're just kind of trying to figure it out because it's been a hectic, I think six weeks for all of us. And um, we, we have ideas, but we just haven't like, usually we have like a, a board of ideas that gets shuffled around and we kind of haven't put stuff up on the board for going forward. But, um, we always have yeah. stuff to do. Like we literally, I literally always have like a running list of probably what would you guys say? 20 things we could do at any given time <laughs> as far as old content goes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. And then there here recently, there's also been a lot of current event stuff that we felt we really needed to touch on too. So and I, I think that, I think there's going to be some shows on that because I think the Vince thing's going to just get dirtier and dirtier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're we're yeah. kind of sitting on that for now, but yeah. Uh, and, well, I, I'm gonna just I'm gonna give us five minutes. We're gonna do five right. minutes added to the show, but um, I kind of think this Vince stuff really puts a new light on that Ashley and Mazzaro story from when she committed suicide. That I tend to think her story is true now because um, that really fits in with what we know about Vince now. Yeah, um, if you don't remember the story, Ashley Massaro said that whenever they went for one of the overseas trips, she got um, sequestered and, to put it delicately, sexually assaulted by uh, a group. Yeah, yeah, by a group of soldiers, and and Vince just covered it up because he didn't uh, want to lose out the money, the money from doing the the tours. Right, and and now. The they said, check me if I'm right on this, but I believe they they came up with four other people, twelve million dollars, yeah, total being paid out. Which amusingly, Brian Alvarez said, I think he said that's two thousand dollars a day for the last seventeen years. He's been paying out on all this hush money stuff. Well, if, if there's four and twelve million dollars, there's more. Yeah, well, and the the one that's we got to remember, first of all, that the firm that's investigating them said that they were uh, they were looking into these allegations and the corporate culture. And if you go back and listen to Matt and I talk about that, I I said that and then had myself a nice raucous laugh because I cannot imagine how dark and sticky that particular cave is to explore. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and going back to the Ashley thing too. So at the time. I think people didn't know quite what to think because her story had some obvious issues with it at the time. But I think, I think with, with my, with the hunt, with, with the vent stuff now, I think like we can just chalk that up to, it had been a while. She had CTE, you know, a person with a good memory is going to have trouble with their story. And someone that's obviously got some cognitive issues is going to have even more problems. But I think, I think her story is completely within the realm of believability. Knowing what we know about CTE now and, knowing, and recalling a, a very traumatic experience. And, it's like, yeah. yeah. And it, it fits with, it fits with their corporate culture. Right. Um, the other thing that is the real uh, cherry on top of the last report was that one of the, I believe they used the term female roster members was 
I don't remember if they said coerced or pressured into giving Vince oral sex and then was demoted and fired. I have yes. a problem with their reporting of that because they put a year on that and people zoomed zoomed in on a couple of prospects because I don't know if they realized that, but I googled the year and I yeah. they, and I I immediately I I told you the ones released and we immediately had suspects of it and they, we, they thankfully edited that out of it and I'm not going to say yeah. the year here because um just no but it it's not going to benefit anybody for that but we had it narrowed down to two pretty fast yeah yes but just even just putting like the year it's the wheelhouse is like it's only like a handful of people yeah so it's even it's process of elimination it's like it's one of these like say five people Mm -hmm. any any given name then you could be like all right there's a 20 percent chance it could have been this individual there was one name that it was like, no, that's that's not it, but that's yeah. a singular circumstance. Yes. Well, there are two names that I think were easy. No, that that's not. But um, one one more than the other, I think. But yeah. Regardless. But but that's I think. But that's I think. I don't know why they did that because I don't know. I guess they don't realize like wrestling's been an online thing forever because it was literally a Google search and you had a list of names for that year. Yeah, and it was it, like I could, I could see an outsider lacking context, not realizing how easy it would be for attentive fans to narrow that down. Yeah, but if if, if this had been if this had been Dallas, you said, hey, some some linebacker that was on the Dallas Cowboys in 1998 said um, he turned the owner down for sex and got released. All I have to do is go. Google Dallas Cowboys released from their contract in 1998 or look at a roster for 97 and then 98 and be like, oh, well, these guys are off. Like, well, OK, I can. Yeah. And but it's yeah, that was a misstep. And they're obviously aware that it was a misstep. But I, I could in getting so far into the weeds on something like this, I could see how the perspective on that might get away from them. But, you know, that's that in that part of what an editor's supposed to do. You should never put years for stuff like that, especially like when they said they got released. That should be like, well, someone might be able to track that down. We should, we should not even be able to. Someone will. It literally took me. It literally took me five seconds. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we had that pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but. <clears throat> With that particular allegation in at play, like you know that it, this is getting, for lack of a better term, worse and worse. Well, and the other thing too is it wasn't just us because it, they when the Twitter reply, the names mm-hmm. we thought started popping up like almost immediately. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like they screwed up really bad there. I think I sent it to you guys oddly, like almost as soon as it broke without realizing that that was the newest breaking thing. We were talking about it directly. And then all that stuff started percolating around the IWC, I guess pretty much immediately as well. Like this, this happened fast. Yeah. But what happens now is, is this going to be something that, is is 
because there's another firm that's going to be investigating the company too. Yeah. And this this I mean the rabbit hole's starting to get deeper and grosser. Well, you so, know, I also think too going back to to the Wall Street Journal being dumb is I don't think they realize like wrestling fans have been internet savvy like we're internet savvy 10 years before like normies were even even getting there. Oh yeah, that's how we were getting rumors, that's how we were getting you know, match results from tapings ahead of time or house show results from across the country. That sort of, I remember doing that in like 1996. Yeah. Um, and we were late to the party and we're talking like we were getting on like 97 and 98. And it, it, it had been, you know, you're talking AOL chat rooms. Yeah. 97. I'm sorry. You're right. 97. Pretty much as soon as I got started on this, yeah. I went hunting for things. Um. So, you know, it, it, mm, nobody, nobody, well, nobody's used to digging quite, quite like wrestling fans yeah, are. But I think, I think we're probably going to have some shows on that. I don't want to do every single, I don't want to do like 50 shows on it. And I don't think any of us want to, but if, if we get some big stuff, we'll maybe do yeah. an update episode once like things build up enough to discuss it. But I don't want to dwell too much on that unless like something huge happens. Having enough content to, to discuss and comment on without most of the episode being speculation. Yeah. Uh, that, I that's, don't, we don't like doing speculation on here. Not, not really the same, no. uh, but Matt, you've been quiet for a minute. Are we, no, I away from your... no, I don't have a lot to add to this. Okay. Other than Sorry. obvious with, with Vince. We just kind of got started and, and going with it. but yeah. uh, No, um, they they horrifically need to change the culture there, but I don't see I don't see any change until Vince is gone, and yeah. I don't really see Vince going anywhere. No, they need to get rid of him, though, because I think they're going to drag up a woman every couple of months now, because there's more. They found no. four. That's what people don't understand. I think what people are kind of under stating is if they found four, they didn't find all of them. Like there's when more. there's where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. And, and there's going to be fire. They're all recent ones. So like, you're not even talking about like the nineties and the eighties. Like, yeah, it's, I am in a place where I say that the company would probably benefit from a big change in leadership. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. I I don't feel like I have enough of a grasp. They don't have any talent there. Though, cause, like, they just keep giving Bruce Pritchard more jobs because they don't have anyone in the pipeline to take jobs over. I'm shocked that that John Laurinaitis is still working there. I mean, he's on yeah. administrative leave. Yeah. I, I, he may not survive. I don't necessarily see him surviving this. No, I don't either. I just, I'm just shocked that he doesn't already have tire treads on his back. I think because they're waiting for the right moment to, to throw him under the bus. And I think I think actually they probably missed their chance with that and they waited yes. too long. Yes. The problem with there is that they could have mm-hmm. and they could have 
it would not have played well, but they could have acted like, oh, well, we're we're firing him, so problem solved. But then, how many how many different firms are investigating? At least two. Someone it might events. be three. Oh, I think there's like there actually might be three or four. So Ooh. the fact that they have now other allegations by women, uh huh, that I think yeah, I think the window is closed. Like they they could have tried to pin all of this at least the one woman in the most recent times on Johnny Ace, even though obviously Vince was part of this, like they could have tried to pin it on him, get rid of him and acted like, ah, oh, solved the problem. But now that more women are coming out, it's like, you kind of can't do that. You could, right? but no one's going to be like, even if you get rid of him, it's not like, Oh, problem solved. It's like, great. You got rid of one guy. There's like 10 other guys you probably need to get rid of. And Vince is the main guy. Yeah. Has to go. It's a very top-down leadership kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, so that is it for this week. Um, like I said, final conflict next week. Um, if anything important happens, we'll probably just push it back a week because we're doing final conflict next week. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode. We're looking forward to next time, and we very much encourage you get on YouTube and find this. We're pretty sure you'll have a good time. So, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>